Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stan, most of your time in the in your playing days was as a catcher, so that gives you some insight as to what a catcher needs to do to be ready for a game. Tell us a little bit about your insight as far as what you do in working with catchers. Well, first of all, I've, I had uh, two really good instructors. Uh, one was Clyde McCullough, and Clyde caught with the Cubs and the Pirates uh, back in the 30s and 40s and he was a tough guy he really was and uh he was he was fair though but he didn't cut any slack with us he worked our tails off and the other instructor was jerry grody and jerry grody was a you know wonderful catcher probably if if not as good as johnny bench right behind him he just didn't hit as good as bench Maybe not, but I tell you what, the guy was solid. Yeah, he definitely behind the plate, absolutely behind the plate, and uh, he got his hits when he needed them too. Though I I agree with what you said, uh, but um, those two guys were wonderful instructors, and I took a lot from that. Also, learning how to uh, call a game, I worked with some pretty good pitching coaches: Billy Connors, Les Moss, Bill Monbouquet. Those guys were were solid. They knew uh, what to look for and all that stuff because, you know, their experience, it, uh, you know, it, as professionally. And so I, I leaned on that, too. And when they had pitchers meetings, I was involved in the meeting. I wasn't invited, but I, I made my way in there because I wanted to know exactly what, uh, what, we, what they were being taught so I could possibly help them. You know, some pitchers, and when you're catching a pitcher, some people, Pitchers can take a, a, you know, you can, you can jerk them around a little bit and say, "Hey, let's bear down here." And some guys, you got to pat on the back, and say, "You'll be all right." Uh, it just depends on that that guy's personality, but you had to know, you know exactly your your guy and a lot of that in these experiences. It, it, it kind of helped me as far as how I could help them while they were pitching. Um. Well, anyway, so uh, we get into Working the physical stuff, have you ever blocked balls? I haven't, and I know that 
uh, I've seen catching drills where they're blocking balls, and it looks like a lot of work. Oh, golly. We, at least 250 to 300 balls a day. Yeah. A day. Mm-hmm. This isn't well, like once a week or once a month. This was a day. So the idea was the more we do this, the less fear we had. Well, that's one of the, once again, that survival deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're taught. I mean, you're, it's inbred. It's instinctive. That uh, that you shy away from it, but you can't. You got to bear down and kind of work against your instincts and block the ball, particularly with a man on third base. Anyway, with anybody on, you need to keep the ball in front of you to keep them from advancing if you can. So one thing I'm seeing these days is these guys are catching one knees now, and I've been seeing a lot of balls going off that knee that's and it's going to the backstop and runs are scoring. Mm-hmm. Well, those catchers got to understand that that's an earned run for that pitcher. And I don't, I'm sure the pitcher doesn't appreciate it either. All right, but I got kind of got off the track here. But let's, uh, that's something that I've noticed lately. All right, so we blocked 250 balls, 300 balls a day. Okay, they had this thing in spring training that looked like a mortar. You shove the ball down this pipe, and you pull the, the trigger down, and it shot it up in the air. Well, those things were – they were shooting knuckleballs up in the air. Very, Trying to catch pop-ups. Oh, yeah. And particularly in that, that – <laughs> those, those skies in Florida were nice and blue, mm-hmm. and it was hard, hard to judge the uh, – I mean, it was just – they were just hard to judge coming down, and you were you – we had to do a lot of those to finally – uh, get it done. I mean, right. Cl- Clyde was losing patience with us because balls, balls, balls were hitting behind us. <laughs> well, now that brings up one thing to my mind. The few times that I have caught in a game, a pop up, you know, you're supposed to turn your back to the field. That's the first thing you have. There's to a do. reason why. Because there's some kind of optical illusion, like the last 10 feet of that ball dropping, all of a sudden it looks like it curves back toward the field. Well, it does because it is curving. Really? Okay, so let's say the ball's popped up behind the plate, mm-hmm. okay? Well, when that hitter hit the ball, the bottom of the bat hit the baseball, and it's turned, it started spinning all the way up. Now, mm-hmm. when it's coming down, it's spinning even harder and coming back towards the infield. So you got to play the ball out in front of you to make sure it comes to you when you're catching. That's different from the outfield. You want to be under the ball in the outfield to catch it, but you got to be behind the ball to catch a pop-up as a catcher. Is that in front of it? Or the ball, behind the ball means you're at the okay. You're at you, the uh, screen and it's going to fall behind you. Yeah, no, you need to be in front. You be in front of it. Okay. okay, so it's a little different on the on the. Uh, it's a little different on the foul lines, okay? So when, like, a left-hander fouls the ball up over the third base side, mm-hmm. it's not going to come straight down. It's going to go towards third base. So the, pl- the the catcher needs to put his back towards third base and follow the ball down and, in front of it. He's mm-hmm. got to play it in front. He can't stand right underneath it because it will fall behind him. Plays it in front of it with his back to third base. Now he's in position to catch the ball. Now if it's a right-handed hitter hitting the ball over the first base side, it's going to come down more towards the first base bag. Okay. So you you run out there and put your back to first base and with in front of the ball, and it should come to you. The most of the time it will if you're playing it right. But that takes a lot of practice with that. Absolutely. It's hard to do when you're playing a ball game. That's not time to practice. That's no. when you got to do it. Right. 
Uh, but anyway, if you can do it, uh, that's that's good practice. A lot of guys, uh, they look at the instinct of the players. The guys more instinctively are going to do it better than the guys that need to learn it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, but more about the uh, the mental side. I mean, what a catcher needs to do to make to hopefully get his pitcher a win, and uh, you're an integral part of that. You're like the you're like the conductor of the orchestra. Everybody else is in the infield and the outfield is facing you. You're the only one that's facing them. Okay, right. so all of what you do, they're going to be reading off what you're doing as well. Now. Before games, we used to talk about hitters, okay, and uh, what their tendencies were, right? which is important. Okay, we have defensive spray charts that we were keeping on all the hitters, mm-hmm. okay? So we knew the majority of the time where they are hitting the ball. It's called analytics these That's days. That's what they call it now. <laughs> Not Any, a real fan of analytics myself. Okay. Oh, I think analytics are good. I oh, just, I do too. I just think that uh, people don't do anything to change the analytics once the defense makes adjustments for the analytics. This is true. I mean, that's where they that's where they fail. But the analytics are good. It's just that they're not they're not a one one size fits all deal. You know, you got there are some organizations that fired scouts and went a hundred percent into analytics. Well, you can look at that like this. If you're going to bake a pie, you don't put just one ingredient in it. You put multiple ingredients in it to have a nice pie, mm-hmm. a good tasting pie. Well, this pie is just a one, uh, a one ingredient pie. That's eventually it's going to fall in on itself. That's my opinion. But anyway, we, uh, we, we go over the hitters. Okay. Now uh, what to look for. This guy's got bat speed. Is he turning on a good fastball and, and hitting it down the left field line? Or if he's a left-handed hitter, is he pulling it down the right field line? Okay, we want to know that. One, we want to know, majority of the time, what part of the count he's hitting in. Is he a first-pitch hitter? Or is he waiting? Or is he very patient hitter? Okay, we want to know that. And two, we want to know which pitch he's hitting the best, fastball, breaking ball, or all-speed stuff. Now, also, when you're reading bat speed, that's going to tell you what where he is. Some guys that can't get around on a fastball, you're doing them a favor when you're throwing off-speed stuff to them because you're pitching to their bat speed. Okay, so what we want to try to do is <clears throat> maybe set them up with something like that and then really bring it in on them hard it, it, to get – it's just a, a, we're going to go against what their bat speed is, right? Hopefully, throwing strikes in the, and, and getting ahead of the hitters, too. So, <clears throat> when I was a manager, I used to tell all my pitchers, I said, look, I want you to go out there and throw strikes, get people out, and I want you to do it within three pitches per hitter. They no went, more. What? Three, <laughs> three what? pitches. In three pitches? What, coach? Yeah, I'm very anxious to, <laughs> to get the game over with. <laughs> no, really, what happens is you get – you got a guy thinking like that. He said, that's that's absurd. But really, uh, I had a pitcher throw 89 pitches in one game. First, uh, it was a nine-inning game. It lasted two hours and ten minutes. And we were in and out of there like crazy, and we won the ball game five yeah. to nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, I want my p- catcher to be working his pitcher that way, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be setting guys up unless I just damn sure have to. Otherwise, I want to pitch to him, get a ground ball out, and get him out of there. 
the sooner the better, okay? These guys going in two and three ball counts uh, and walking guys, that does nothing for your uh, – Just the mental my, approach of the game. No, just, you know, your fielders and everybody else. To, and it does nothing for my patients either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure it doesn't. Uh, oh boy! I well, let me t- let me tell you this real quick. I had a pitcher I brought in one time. I signed him myself. I thought this is great. This guy threw 94 miles an hour, and Dad got best side work I've ever seen. I get him in a ball game. He's a closer. Well, he had been released by an organization. I'm wondering why. Golly, what a good arm! But I get in there and put him in a game. He hits the first guy and walks the next two. <laughs> okay, well, he he struck out the next three guys. But, you know, we had a 6-2 to two lead. It was no big deal. Mm-hmm. So I let him pitch another inning, and he struggled in that inning too. Then I got him out of there. Well, a pitching coach comes in and says, well, you brought this guy in to be a closer. We're going to have to put him in a closing situation. Okay, let's do it. We get in a 2-1 to one ball game. All right. Well, he does it backwards. He walks the first two and hits the third guy. <laughs> well, when I'd, when I, what I'd witnessed before, when he went out to pitch that inning, that one inning to close, mm-hmm. I already had somebody up ready to go because I, I wanted to – I some in, needed some insurance. Sure. So when that happened, he loaded the bases with nobody out. I stood up and pointed to the guy in the bullpen, you're going in. I wanted the guy on the mound to f- see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he needed time to think about that because it didn't matter what the catcher was calling. It just didn't work that right. night. Right. So I went out to the mound. I said, okay, give me the ball. No, he wasn't going to leave. He gave me a hard time. I said, look, you're going to embarrass yourself out here. I don't embarrass very easy. Give me the ball. And I said, look, we can talk about this after the game, but not now. This is not, you know, we got thousands of people in the stands. We don't need this. So he slammed the ball in my hand, and and I put the next guy in. We got a a one to two to three double play, and then the next guy popped up. We get out of the inning and won the ball game. Well, after the game, he comes charging in that. I said, wait a minute, go on back out, shut the door. Okay. Then I want you to knock on the door, and then I'll think about inviting you in my office. We're not going to do it your way. We're doing it my way. Well, he went out the door, shut the door, knocked on the door. <laughs> Coach, you want to see me? I said, yeah. What, what's on your mind? That's what I told him. Because <laughs> why did you take me out of the game? I said, well. Why? Come on. You got a psychology degree from a major university and you can't figure that out? Anyway, um, I said, look, that first night, he said, you left me in that night. Why did you do that? I said, well, we had five, six to two lead. We had, we had a little cushion. We didn't have any cushion tonight. It was two to one. You left me no choice. I mean, you're hanging on that rope already. And you got to understand that. Nothing personal, just all business. So he, he was okay after that. It just seems like there are some pitchers that have to have that dire situation for them to pitch their best. Well, that's that's the difference between uh, a strike thrower and a non-strike thrower. With a guy on, were they going to get better or are they going to get worse? Or with nobody on, are they gonna, what are they going to do? I want to see what that guy's doing every pitch. I want to see his intensity like a Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. 
that was that was hard to take him out of the ball game when we only had a pitch limit on him because he was commanding commanding the plate and he was a competitor. That's what you're looking for. That's what we need to teach. So the mental side of that, what the catchers need to do is help those pitchers be that kind of guy. All right. So they're watching all these things, reading bat speed, okay, knowing knowing uh, when they hit in the count, stuff like that. So now you got you take all the pressure off the pitcher when you do that. That's just the bottom line. The less pressure that guy's got on, the more he can focus on throwing those pitches he needs to throw and win the ball game and get a and get an out, win mm-hmm. the ball game. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's it. So. Um, the one thing uh, I will tell you is working with those those pitching coaches. Billy Connors was probably one of the funniest guys, and uh, Les Moss was serious, and 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 Bill Mamouquet was he was serious, but he was cut up too. So one spring train of Major League Camp, actually, <laughs> this is a good one. Herb Norman was. A, equipment manager for the Mets, and he was a practical joker if there ever was one. Well, we're in spring training one day, and all of a sudden I heard this, you know, this horn. Somebody's blowing a horn up there by the, you know, at the front of the <laughs> clubhouse. I looked around, and Joe Pignatano, one of the coaches, is over there by Herbie Norman. Herbie's blowing his horn. And uh, he said, I got $50. Anybody can blow this horn. It's the only one that could do it so far as Herbie. So while we were looking around to see who's going to do it, Herbie went and put some baby powder in that thing. And uh, Mom Bouquet comes in, and he's headstrong. and said, I can blow that thing. So he comes walking in, give me that thing. Well, the bell... When you blew it, it's like a French horn, but the bell came back at the uh, the bell came back at the face. Mm-hmm. So you were actually blowing the horn into your face. Well, when he did, when he did it, <laughs> all that baby powder <laughs> blew up, <laughs> and it broke the whole clubhouse up. And, and my bouquet was chasing uh, Pignatano around the clubhouse <laughs> like a bunch of kids. <laughs> anyway, that was some fun we had that day. Yep, well, that's part of training camp. Yeah, uh, baseball today. Um, the trade deadline just passed not too long ago. Tell me a, the the thought process a player goes through when he finds out he's traded. Well, I was traded, <laughs> and my first thought was when I said, when I found out, I was the director, I said. Well, you don't want me anymore. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I was traded for Bruce Bochy. He ended up being a pretty good catcher himself. And not and, a bad manager either. Uh, outstanding manager. Yeah. He managed the Padres and the Giants. He won a couple World Series. Yeah. So I was I was proud of that fact. And uh, actually, I saw him one time in, uh, at the Anatole during the winter meetings. I was sitting out there talking to the other guy and, he bopped out of the door. He, he saw me. He said, hey, Stan. He goes, I got to tell you, that blockbuster trade put baseball on its, on its ear, didn't it? <laughs> he was talking about our trade. I went, I, yeah, you went to the White House, and I went to the dog house. <laughs> I thought he's a good guy. Anyway, yeah. 
or also in your time, you had a chance to lock her right next to Willie Mays. Oh, Tell yeah. me about that experience. One whole month in Major League Camp, and he was a genuine guy, great guy to talk to. And uh, we <laughs> uh, – funny, that spring training, I, I was the last one out, sent down. And Tory came in and said, we're going to Chicago tomorrow morning at 5.30. Put your stuff in the foyer so they can load it up, get it on the truck so we can get on the plane. And I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, well, I'm the only one here that hadn't left, that's been sent down. And I said, Willie, you think I made this team? He goes, well, did he talk to you yet? I went, no, I, he hadn't talked to me yet. He goes, well, put your stuff in the foyer. I put my stuff in the foyer that night he called me up to his room, told me I was going to AAA or, you know, or down to the minor league camp. I said, okay, thanks for the enjoy. It. I enjoyed it and all that. He's work hard and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the next day, you know, they pulled out 530 that morning. And uh, Tom Miller, who was the uh, equipment guy with the minor league side over at Payson Complex in St. Pete, took me back over to Huggins Stingle where the major league team was and, you know what's funny about that? Where I left that bag, it wasn't touched. Still it was there. like, I said, Tom, look at this bag. It's got, it's radioactive. <laughs> if you touch this bag, you go to minor leagues. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody had touched it. <laughs> so that was a fun day we had there. But uh, anyway.